Please join me in the prayer for illumination. O oh God, beginning and end, by whose command time runs its course, bless our impatience, perfect our faith, and while we wait the fulfillment of your promises, grant us hope in your word. Amen. And our first reading this morning is from Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 to 31. And I am reading the contemporary English version this morning. From the beginning, I was with the Lord. I was there before he began to create the earth. At the very first, the Lord gave life to me. When I was born, there were no oceans or springs of water. My birth was before mountains were formed or hills were put in place. It happened long before God had made the earth or any of its fields or even the dust. I was there when the Lord put the heavens in place and stretched the sky over the surface of the sea. I was with him when he placed the clouds in the sky and created the springs that fill the ocean. I was there when he set boundaries for the sea to make it obey him, and when he laid foundations to support the earth. I was right beside the Lord, helping him plan and build. I made him happy each day, and I was happy at his side. I was pleased with his world and pleased with its people. And our gospel reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. <clears throat> the Word of Life. In the beginning was the one who is called the Word. The Word was with God and was truly God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. And with this Word, God created all things. Nothing was made without the Word. Everything that was created received its life from him, and his life gave light to everyone. The light keeps shining in the dark, and the darkness has never put it out. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Excuse me a moment. <clears throat> oh, come, thou wisdom from on high that orders all things mightily. To us the path of knowledge show and teach us in her ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Today we continue our series on the images and scripture passages that are found in this beautiful ancient Advent carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. In the last two weeks we've heard from the prophet Isaiah, but this week we're moving to a different book of the Bible, the book of Proverbs. Now, 
uh, in, the, the, uh, in chapter 8 of this book, we find, in um, chapter 8 of Proverbs, we find a character who may not be familiar to many of us. Her name is Lady Wisdom. And she describes, in the passage that Jeanette read, she describes how she was present right from the beginning. Capital I, capital T, capital B, in the beginning. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, in the beginning, when the word was with God. And we're going to start by learning about Lady Wisdom, who she is, how she evolved, and then we're going to connect these, uh, th this with John's immortal opening verses that are among my favorite verses in the entire Bible. The book of Proverbs. It's probably one of the most straightforward books of the Bible. Uh, my my uh, preaching prof told us once that there's a certain um, aphorism. I don't know if people really follow it, but there's a certain uh, saying in Jewish tradition that the way to learn how to read the Bible is to start with the book of Proverbs because it's very straightforward and it provides instruction for life. Then you go on to the book of Ecclesiastes, which says, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And then you um, end up with the Song of Songs, otherwise known as the Song of Solomon. So you go from instruction to despair to ecstasy. There you go. So if any of you have someone who wants to start reading the Bible, point them to the book of Proverbs. Um, as I said, it's one of the most straightforward books of the Bible. It contains clear instructions on how to live well, how to live righteously, how to live in right relationship with God. Uh, and the instructions are offered in the form of a father instructing his son. So you'll find that many of them start with the phrase, my son, da 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 da. Uh, and they're fairly universal. They're not, like, if you, if you read some of the history books of the Bible, Chronicles, Kings, um, Samuel, even, even, you know, Exodus, Genesis, they're, they're, they're talking about events. Well, maybe not Genesis as much, um, but they're talking about events in history, uh, connected and rooted to particular events, particular times, particular places. Proverbs does not. Proverbs is um, much more universal in that it just speaks of life generally. And so in addition to writing in the style of a father instructing his son, the book of Proverbs has another character who sometimes pops up to instruct this young man, the character of Lady Wisdom. Now, quite apart from being interesting in her own right, Lady Wisdom is a fascinating reminder of how faith, religion, are shaped over time and adapt and change over time. So the various books of the Bible were written over hundreds of years, and some of them are based on oral traditions that were much, much older. Um, we don't hear of Lady Wisdom in the book of Genesis, when God creates the world and all it contains. But here in Proverbs, we have its writer, a person of faith, looking back at the stories of Genesis and retelling, reshaping the story to reflect their understanding of a story that was old even for them. 
Throughout the Old Testament, there are a few different terms used to describe how God is present among us. Some of these, excuse me, phrases are the glory of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord. Many different words to try and describe something that is too big, too beautiful, too true, and too mysterious to be fully explained by words, but that we know to be true, that God is here among us, up close and personal in our lives, walking with us through rough patches and smooth. And somehow, of all these terms, the glory of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord evolves into a character, a persona, a personification of God's work and presence here among us. So the wisdom of the Lord over time, as people keep rereading these scriptures and retelling these stories, becomes Lady Wisdom, who is a particular way of understanding God. It's not that Lady Wisdom replaces God, it's that she becomes a um, relatable uh, way of understanding how God walks among us. And so the author of Proverbs reads Genesis and sees the presence of Lady Wisdom there, even though she's never mentioned in Genesis. So it's important to understand that this author of Proverbs is not rewriting Genesis. He isn't changing or correcting our creation story. He's adapting it, building on it, adding another layer to speak to a different time and place. This is what faith does. This is what a living faith does. It changes, but it changes by going back to the roots. It doesn't change for the sake of change or to be hip or, you know, to try and attack the younger generation. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, we're all guilty of that. But, but true, you know, the, the lasting change and adaptation, faith changes because the world changes. But it's always grounded in deep tradition. The faith you had in Sunday school is not the faith you have today. The faith I had when I started my theological studies is not the faith I had today. And yet, they are anchored in the same God. It's not that you necessarily or we necessarily believe in a different God than we did before. It's that our language for an understanding of this God has adapted as we have changed. And this is one of the many gifts of our faith. It's a both and. It's both rooted in stories that are thousands of years old, and it speaks our language. It's born of worlds that existed two, three thousand years ago, and it reshapes itself to speak to our world today. So the author of Proverbs is not trying to erase or replace Genesis. He's building on it to speak in the language of faith of his world, his time and place. 
He lives in a time that contains Lady Wisdom as a way of understanding and speaking of God. And so he offers this, this, this reimagined version of the creation of the world. And then we come to John's gospel. This, these, these phrases that probably we've heard many, 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 many times. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God and the word, the word was with God and the word was God. John is writing a new story based on the old, old story of his people. The story of a God who dwells in the midst of God's people, who liberates them from slavery in a foreign land, who promises to take them as his people and be their God forevermore. And John is certain that this promise, all the promises of God, have come to fruition and been made incarnate in one Jesus of Nazareth, carpenter of Galilee. So John roots this new story in the old story. Jesus, for John, doesn't start in a Bethlehem stable, doesn't start in Mary's womb. Jesus, Christ the Messiah, Savior, started all the way back when God started. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, where wisdom was created by God, Jesus was there, or Christ, the Christ was there. This is John's idea of a nativity story. Forget the angels and the wise men, let's start at the beginning of time itself. But you can see how John is not only building on Genesis, but on the traditions between Genesis and John's time. He's incorporating this image of lady wisdom, being with God in the beginning, um, John, you can, and you can see how that understanding would build, that if you already have this understanding of this, this persona of God as being uh, there from the beginning with God, as being part of God, but this other kind of way of speaking of God, you can see how you go from that to the Word. The Word was in the beginning. Okay, now why word? Why in the beginning was the word? Why is Jesus the word instead of wisdom? Why isn't John's opening verse, in the beginning was wisdom, and the wisdom was God, and the wisdom was with God? All right, because earlier I said that in the Old Testament, there are many ways of describing how God is present with God's people. The wisdom of the Lord the glory of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, and the word of the Lord. So John would have grown up in synagogue hearing Jewish scriptures and hearing this phrase, the word of the Lord. And by John's time, this was understood to be this kind of personification of God. The, John would have grown up formed in his faith, hearing the word of the Lord, hearing about Lady Wisdom. And so John draws on his own existing tradition to say, to adapt the word of the Lord to ground this new story in the old story. Jesus is 
the word of the Lord in the flesh, the word with a spleen, a pair of eyebrows, and a skeleton. This is it, John is saying, the word of the Lord that we have heard about in our ancient scriptures, the word of the Lord that we have uh, discussed in synagogue, the word of the Lord that we have praised. Here it is, folks, Jesus of Nazareth. So in this short phrase, in the beginning was the word, in this simple phrase, John is simultaneously pointing to Genesis, to Proverbs, to the beginning of time, to an existing way of describing God's presence and saying all of that is packed into Jesus. So this Advent, friends, we both prepare for, wait for, and trust that the wisdom of the Lord is present, active and working in this world. Yes, bad things still happen. Yes, we watch the news and feel depressed. And no, we'll never be ready for Christmas. But the promise, my friends, the promise this year and every year is that the babe of Bethlehem will show up unexpected, unprepared for, in the most inconvenient way possible and knock us off our feet by telling us and reminding us and showing us how close God is to each and every one of us. Wisdom is among us, friends. How then shall we watch for her? Amen.